CE4M1. That's that out of the way. Now, I should maybe tonight talk a little bit about not just what's happening. I, I don't like just jumping at the news that's put out for us to gobble up. But to try and tie it in with how we've been conditioned for the presentations of the news just at the right time. People don't realize that we've had years of indoctrination, most of it through fiction, then through nature programs, to prepare us for the big system which they're bringing in, the brand new system for the new age. Back in a moment after these messages. Charade in order to get what you want and outsmart them and so on. Very paranoid. 
So they, they lap up these types of people and also philosophers who, who really have nothing new to say in a sense. Uh, they use old techniques of control uh, because they study past philosophers. And all they can do is parrot what other uh, philosophers have really said. Sometimes take bits of each philosophy, put them together, that's been done before too, to create a new reality for the world. Because as I say, they study ages. And for every age, those in control have always given a reality for everyone to believe in. A religion was the greatest thing up until recently. It still is in some sections of the world for control. And not only that, religion will still be used. For the Greening Age, it has been used, in fact. They have created a massive Greenies of New Age, almost a hippie-type movement of people who want to be druids and witches and, and all the rest of it. If you witness the, the annual sunrise at Stonehenge, I can't remember how many thousands turned up with their gowns on, waving bits of uh, um, stalks of oats about, stuff like that, and swords as well. And um, the police even put a drone up to watch this crowd, a drone a pilotless drone to circle overhead and watch these characters as they acted out this what they thought was they hoped was going to be the sunrise ceremony but it was a very cloudy day as often as in Britain so they just drank their beer and went home but that movement is created you see and it's created through from childbirth for many people who are adults today they've had it in their comics the stories of nature and sustainability wrapped in wrapped in there cleverly for a child to understand in a very basic galore for years and the adults have had theirs to do with wildlife and all the wildlife films grab their big foundations that all work for this upcoming system predictive programming goes on for years and years always shaping you for something to come which when it does come you'll think it's quite natural you, you sort of drifted into it naturally that's how you guide people through ages by those who know what to do and how to do it Sciences, basically. And since we're all getting the same indoctrinations, and most people, unfortunately, are glued to television sets for so many hours per day, they have an awful lot of stuff downloaded into them that's bypassed any reasoning capabilities they had. And, and it's true what Brzezinski says about, I'm always quoting this, he says, shortly the public will be unable to reason or think for themselves. They'll expect the media to do the reasoning and thinking for them. In other words, give them their conclusions. And that's what's been happening since even before that book was written in the 70s. You're seeing the perfect outcome of that today. Now, I've always said the media is a main arm. It always has been a main arm. That's why media, since the earliest of times, before the, the, the newspapers came out, you had across Europe, you had the town crier. And the town crier often didn't belong to the town um, he was sent across on horseback to go from village to village and town to town uh, proclaiming the news from the king so he was authorized by a charter to do this by the king otherwise anyone trying this anyone saying I'll listen to what he says and I'll pop over to the next village and, and I'll do the same no it did it, it, hang you because you were not authorized to tell the news exactly as the way that the king wanted or his courts wanted to appear to the public and newspapers are all licensed you see they're given a license a license means it can be withdrawn at any time that's what a license 
make sure you, as a mason, say you toe the line. Toe the line. And you don't go overboard. The toe rope, which is what the necktie even represents, for those who are masons without going through the initiate's degrees, as um, Pike said, your toe rope uh, is, is the circumference of your ability to influence anything and your reasoning power, you personally. So if you tack that rope down to a stake, you can only go around in that circle. It's limited unless you have a much longer toe rope, you see. And that's for the big boys. But they give us our realities. And I've read this article, and even this week I've read this article, but it's so important to get a point across to people. But this article just wasn't to do with a Bush administration. Aides and advisors and scriptwriters work with every president and prime minister across the world. They always have in kings and queens, same thing. Now, the aides generally are not elected. They're just appointed there. And the public are often unaware of who they even are. There was one for, for Ontario for many years uh, that the public, there's an article in the press that not one member of the press uh, was able to um, mention his name to, in, in their own media because they were terrified. He had so much power, more power than the Premier had. Because, you see, the aides, these guys who are put in as advisors, know the whole world agenda. They work for a higher organization that's been around for a long time, an awful long time. And they know that what their particular part in it is and how they have to maneuver this president or prime minister and guide them along the proper path, the predetermined path by their masters. But this is what you said, and this was uh, Scheherazade in the White House. That's from that particular article. And it was during Bush's reign, and um, it's from a journalist who was told by an aide, this is what the aide said, when the journalist was talking about, you know, solutions emerging from study of realities. And the aide cut him off and says, that's not the way the world really works anymore. That never really did. He's telling the truth, but it's always been that way. He says, we are an empire now. Now, is he talking about national or international or world empire? We are an empire now, and when we act, we create our own reality. And while you, so there's from we create our own reality, and when you are studying that reality, judiciously as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities, which you can study too. And that's just how things will sort out. We are history's actors, and you, all of you, will be left just to study what we do. Why ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? And sure enough, for every age, they give you a reality. Now, for the upcoming greening age and sustainability, we've had, oh, years and years of propaganda. Most folk can't remember it consciously, but the subconscious does. Years and years of, years of indoctrination. And Gorbachev came out, too, years ago, and I read the article from his book, and he said, we're creating a new world religion, and it must be based on a form of nature worship. I'll, give, I'll take that kind of shape, image. But he says uh, it must be uh, to do with sustainability and nature worship. So the, they all knew their parts, these guys, before they were made even more famous than they, than they already were. And yes, people are made famous. They are made famous. You know, it's become, you're made to be famous by those who know how to do it. 
that's if they want to bring you up there, if you're of use. So here they, here they are. I can remember, this next article ties right in with that, you see. Um, I can remember when Prince Charles was the, the poor prince, the poor prince who had no purpose. And it was all over the media back in the 70s and 80s. The poor guy, he went, everyone to cry for poor Prince Charles because mummy did everything and he was given no role to guide the world. And of course, he does have a role now and he's going out full tilt to do what he's told. Back with more after these messages. how indoctrination and progression of indoctrination brings us all to a, a predetermined point of thinking everything is now normal again after we've left the old normal behind. But really this has been crafted by experts over a hundred years or more, this, this actual stage that we're at today. In fact, those who brought us massive industry and the big families who are in control of it, the big barons, rubber burns, have been guiding us all along. That's why they run foundations, to make sure that they run the real system. And politicians and prime ministers are, are basically informed what to do by these same foundations. And I'm going, going to read articles about that tonight as well. But here's Prince Charles. You see, the poor prince back in the 70s and 80s had no function. And they had all these write-ups in the paper about the poor soul all he could do was go across the world with his pals and play polo and pass the time, you know, and chat about things. And lo and behold, they picked him up rather quickly once they said that because they, they, they tried to groom him. Now, Prince Charles is not the best person to educate for anything. He went to Gordonstone and he couldn't handle the school there. And he was also awful at schoolwork, really rather awful. So, so bad at times, in fact, through his life, that they used to get teachers for him, special teachers and coaches, and there'd be little bits of articles in the paper would come out about he now had a new, uh, uh, even trumpet player on, he's going to be a trumpet player, and that kind of faded away as that, so they couldn't really find anything he was really good at. So they, it made him, under, uh, they went into architecture for a while. Yes, he'd been a high mason. And he actually showed that uh, when he, I think he had his, his 45th birthday, I think it was, he went on stage and he did the cross his arm right across his chest and went out to a salute, almost like a Nazi salute. And the whole crowd of lords, all peer groups and so on, exploded into applause. And that was shown on mainstream television and of course most folk don't get the point of what they're actually seeing. But anyway, they've, they've got him here going from architecture and so on into saving the world. So we've got an expert, Prince Charles, an expert who, who was pretty awful at, at education, um, reading a script. You see, this is not from his own mouth, just to let people know this. But you need, a, 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 you need something that the world is taught to, to somehow respect, a star, someone who's better than you. That's what they say, you're better, better in, in Britain. From the same people who, who say water, water. Do you want a drink of water? You must be special in the lower classes, and they have all these special traits. So we look up to them in a very primitive fashion. But this is from this is from.
from the, the independent and it's uh, it's really condensed what he was on about or rambling about uh, it says Thursday the 9th of July 2009 just 96 months to save the world says Prince Charles so here you have an expert has spoken capitalism and consumerism have brought the world to the brink of economic and environmental collapse did you realize what, that's what it was now think right there how many times have I talked about the Rees Commission the big foundations of the richest people on the planet uh, the foundations were to bring the Soviet system and merge it with that of the West for the third way you see always remember that always remember so here we are it's your fault mind you it's all your fault out there capitalism and consumerism have brought the world to the brink of economic and environmental collapse the Prince of Wales has warned in a grandstand speech which set out his concerns for the future of the planet. Also remember Professor Carl Quigley, who talked, who was a historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, it's the same thing, and remember the royal part, and he says the new system coming in is to be a new feudal-type system, where the CEOs primarily of big international corporations will be the new feudal overlords. So what better than to bring out the ones who have experienced in feudalism, like Prince Charles here? It says the heir to the throne told an audience of industrialists and environmentalists. Well, why industrialists and environmentalists? Huh? At St. James's Palace last night that he had calculated that we have to ju just 96 months left to save the world. And in a searing indictment on capitalist society, Charles said we can no longer afford consumerism and that the age of inconvenience was over see now where was he talking I'll put these links up remember of these topics at the end of my, uh, the show on my own website so look in for them and you also have tonight's show up there too before midnight generally and this is from the actual um, uh, group it was, it was from the group that held the speech the Richard Dimbley, Dimbleby lecture titled Facing the Future as delivered by His, Her, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales St. James's Palace State Apartments London 8th of July 2009 this is the whole article they've only given a little, little bit because you're not supposed to know too much you're supposed to get the message of fear and so on and here's where we're going and, and, but here's the rest of it here and it's written by again an aide you know, the guys who give you realities that we have to study, see? And he goes through this long preamble there and, and uh, get a few chuckles, no doubt, designed to get chuckles. That's generally how the writer does it for them. And then he goes into his architecture or his architectural interests. And he relates it to uh, other people in his, in his heritage, going back to Henry VIII. As though he was actually related to him, which he isn't. But that doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter in a given predictive programming. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Through the Matrix, reading an article written for Prince Charles for him to read 
uh, about the future and sustainability and so on from the Richard Dimbleby lecture uh, held at St. James Palace State Apartments in London. Uh, I should also mention, too, that uh, it's mentioned in it, too, that his close friend and advisor, his advisor is Mr. Porritt. You know, Mr. Porritt, I've mentioned before, read articles about him. I think he's a serial lord or something. And um, he's the guy from the Optimum Population Trust, another big foundation that came out publicly a, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago even, and said uh, that uh, they've got a half the British population, at least half, uh, and we've got to bring in other stricter measure, measures of uh, population control by law to, law to reinforce them all and so on. So this is advisor at this particular talk here. It's remember too Charles's lineage, uh, really from Germany or Prussia. And I've also got articles here, and I've read a couple of them before, where one of his uncles um, was given his own SS uniform by Adolf Hitler. They're all kind of all on board with that. And it's no, it's no mistake that at the end of World War I, it was King George that had that big international conference on population reduction. Right after the war, that hadn't killed enough people off. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Don't let this green magic world utopia that they keep pushing at you uh, actually take you over and fill you. Eugenics is a big part of it. It's not that there's too many people. The problem, as Charles Galton Darwin said, is too many of the wrong sort, according to them, you see. So then he, then he goes on about uh, another previous king, an ancient an old king. In ordering the building of a great many ships, King Henry VIII effectively founded the Royal Navy. You see, King Henry VIII, as he was building up this massive navy, cut almost all the trees down. So it was his fault in the first place, to save him and his kind. Remember the first law of government or kingship or system is its own survivability. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. So he says, but shipbuilding needed vast amounts of wood and there came a moment when Henry realized that creating his new fleet was putting too much strain on the natural supply of wood, particularly oak, since they built all their palaces out of it and everything else. And the ordinary folk didn't use this, you see. It says, and if something wasn't done, the country would run out of timber. And so in 1543, he created a law, the preservation of woods, which stated that if any number of mature oak trees was cut down, 12 had to be left standing in the same acre, and none could be touched until each of them was of a certain maturity. A nice little fairy tale. Because really, uh, the preservation of woods meant that no one could go on the king's land. The, quick, the king owned everything, and any peasant out poaching try and live, get, getting meat for a change, which most peasants never had, if you realize too. Malthus, Malthusian principles were in vogue long before Malthus came along. But the, in the preservation of woods, you also were hung in the woods if they caught you. There was no trial. In fact, they could kill anybody who was a peasant. The villains had no rights. You see? So the nice little bit of propaganda that leads into this, this thing. And you got to remember too, his, his father, remember Prince Philip, uh, even though he's Prussian, he was sent over to Greece to fill in an empty, empty spot in the monarchy. They didn't have anybody at the time, so they advertised for a monarch. And Philip went there, and the Greeks kicked out Philip. They, they threw him out, and I think 80 members of his family, and then they were all dumped on the British taxpayer. The British found out about this, and the cost it had been to keep them going back in the oh, late 80s, I think it was. 
and uh, his, his father in charge of the World Wildlife Program and so on fund also said in his own book uh, that if he came back, he'd love to come back as a virus and kill off all the people. So are we, are we getting, are we getting the, the lineage of these particular people as it's all penetrating? Never mind the, the nice little chuckles written in by the, the scriptwriter. So then he goes on to say, it is this knowledge that I fear we have lost in a rush to pursue unlimited economic growth. Now, who created the consumer society? We've gone through the history of it with, with Bernays and others and all the big moguls that backed them. The same moguls, by, by, mind you, who owned all the oil companies like the Rockefellers. They were the same guys. The Rockefellers, the same guys who were trying to get the cars off the roads, were the same guys who put so many other little oil companies out of business by incredible means. They were truly called the robber barons. For, they weren't called that for nothing. But they also sent men across the whole of the U.S. and bribed all the governors and so on and officials into getting the tram cars off so that folk would have to drive the, the automobiles and use their oil and gasoline. Same guys. But they do love to make us the bad guys. It's all your fault. So they give you a system and then they blame all you for it. That's a technique, you see. Beautiful. It always works. It's worked in the past. Always blame the victim. So he says, A loss that's never more rapid than during the 60s in that time of frenzy of change which swept across the world in the wave of post-war modernism. There was an eagerness to embark upon a new age of radical experimentation in every area of human experience which caused many traditional ideas to be discarded. No, that was the purpose of the, the, the revolution at that time. Most revolutions are bloodless. They're created by the social engineers at the top allowed to do what they do, or they'd never get away with it otherwise. They'd be stopped short. Anything that's not authorized from the top, like Plato said, uh, is not allowed to simply come out to the public. It might, it might throw the whole plan and the order of things out the window. So he's, he's, he's trying to say it was just all happenstance. Then he goes down this article here, and I, I doubt that Prince Charles even understands modernism. And again, the philosophic... Uh, writings, or he's probably not read them on, on modernism and postmodernism and so on. He gets this from his advisors and the scriptwriters, the guys who know what they're doing. But it's down to saving the world. We're going to save the world through all costs, he says. But he's, he's hinting also heavily in reducing the population. See, we're post industrial They don't need us anymore. We've conquered the world. We supplied all the bodies. They got full of bullets on the way. We supplied the tax money and all the machinery uh, that helped some of their big corporations get, get really stinking rich, all the aircraft companies and munitions experts and so on, all this stuff. But they don't need us anymore. They don't need us all. So they want to cull the herd. It's good farming practice to don't have excess herd. Uh, if, you, if, you, if the price is down in beef, here you are feeding all this beef and keeping them around. What did they cull them? That's what they did with the pigs in the pig industry quite a few times over the last 15 to 20 years. You cut off the excess. To them, it makes perfect sense. So he's getting in on the act in a big, big way. In touch with the laws of nature is all the high, the true high masons understand it. The green man, the letter G, you see? Not just for gnosis or for degenerates and so on. It's also for, for, for the green man. The green man... Symbology 
has been shown in all architecture and cathedrals and churches from the Middle Ages by the stonemasons, but written in by the architects as well. The green man, nature. Albert Pike says we never, ever apologize for nature. They're talking about the survival of the fittest and the right of their predator to rise to the top and be king of the jungle. Kipling and the Lion King, that's what the whole thing was about. All this sun will be yours. The Lion King, king of the jungle. What is the jungle? It's the wasteland below. The bottom of the pyramid where all the sparse grass grows. grows. The world of the profane. That's what that is. The green man. Nature. Then he goes on to talk about oh, there won't be enough food to do, etc., etc., to feed everyone, sustainability. And if they do try to feed all these people, they'll, they'll just destroy the planet in the process. Meanwhile, they'll put all traditional farming pretty well out the window through legislation from above and government interference and laws and penalties, etc., while they were building the big corporate farms that will be the corporate farming community for the, for, for the entire planet. It already is really five agribusinesses. They're really all one. Own the entire world's food supply. And if they haven't been killing us off fast enough with the alterations in the food, with all the inoculations that kill us and all the rest of it, well, well they're in a panic. They've got to get it going fast. They want us to conditionally go ahead. And it's, it will happen. It's already, they've already had volunteers of young people coming up forth to be sterilized to save the planet. That's what they want. They want us not just to cooperate with them, but not to fight them, but actually to be on board with it. The victim must believe it's their fault. Standard abuse system. Standard. So put all of this up, this, this entire written speech for Mr. Charles to go ahead and spout off to the public. Uh, for you to read. And it's all about to the major ice caps melting, even though, or could soon be melted, even though all the evidence is out there, as we well know, is a con- to the contrary. But I said a long time ago, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if we're up to ice and snow. This is a, a mandate. When the Club of Rome came up with the idea and admitted it, admitted it in their own book, The First Global Revolution, written in the, uh, written in the 90s, but they said back in the 70s, they, had, they were given the task of, of bringing this world together with a common cause under a warfare type of scenario. And they said, how could they do it? They looked at all ways of doing it. What would the people fall for? What would they believe with enough propaganda prediction and fiction, science fiction? And they came up with the idea of global warming. Man was a danger to the planet. That would fit the bill. That's what they said. That would fit the bill. And when they make a, a plan like that from the premier think tank, they will never deviate from it. So I'll put that one up, and you can read it for yourself. But this is how reality is made for the public, the general public. Now remember, the general public have floated through changes. They've floated through, through, through NAFTA, through GATT. They've floated through the transfer of factories to China, and then all the stuff in the stores coming from China, and you know, you know yourselves, the vast majority of the public haven't even noticed it, never, never asked a question, even to themselves. Not even, I wonder, I wonder why everything suddenly from China now. What was it, an act of God or something? No, they haven't a clue. 
haven't a clue. Because they've been trained not to participate in their own destiny. That's also what Huxley and Russell and Wells and many others before them said they would do. They would get a generation growing up that would accept they were being ruled by experts. And they would leave it to them thinking that was a different... All that affair had nothing to do with them. It was out of their hands and it wasn't their affair, even though it affected all of them. Just, you see, that's the height of domestication. We are domesticated animals. Hyper-domesticated. Because a farmer never goes in and grabs a sheep in front of the other sheep and slaughters it and roasts it to eat and then, then shears it for the wool to sell. If it's going to do that, it'll, it'll take one quietly out, away from all the rest. Because the rest must like the farmer and kind of like him coming around and he throws certain food his way and their, their way and so on. That's, again, how the sheep perceives the farmer. And that's how we've been conditioned to perceive the expert class. Those people who come from special wombs and have a barrage of letters behind their names were taught that that's somehow superior than, than ourselves. And we accept it. So we allow ourselves to be ruled and governed as a domesticated animal is. Same way. Quite something. And we all know, too, that uh, there's big meetings going on, and they're coming up actually shortly. The one here uh, from one, one of the United States is, um, I think it's Connecticut. From the governor, all the states are doing this. Governor Rell participates in NIH conference on H1N1 influenza outbreak plans for fall flu season. And who's all there? You find they're all there, including the Office of Homeland Security, the state's emergency operations center, blah, 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 blah. They're really going to go out, all out with this hype and terror uh, to vaccinate everyone, etc. That's getting sent out. All the states are doing it. That's upcoming, apparently, or it's, it's on right now. I know there's another one coming up in two weeks' time for the whole of the U.S., and it was, I'm sure it'll be in all the media uh, when it's happened to terrify us all. But the money that's been thrown out uh, by the federal administration, $350 million making available to the states for assistance in preparing for a flu, the flu season, including a nationwide vaccination program. Amazing, eh? And these guys are talking about culling us off openly. As I say, Prince Charles at that particular Dimbleby um, meeting, uh, his, his advisor was Mr. Porritt, who said that openly. He wants to cull most of us off. And mainstream media have read the articles on the air. But they also want us to be safe and, and well. Wait a minute. Cull us off, sterilize us, have us safe and well with, we don't want us getting a flu. Maybe not a chill even. So, safe and well versus culling us off. The wolf wants to keep us safe and well as he kills us off. Which one is it? We should all be hyper paranoid right now because these guys are up to an awful lot, an awful lot of no good. I don't trust them an inch, personally. And these shots, whatever they want to mandate on everyone. What a great way to cull off lots of people. Fantastic way to cull off lots. Because all I have to say is, well, we got the mix wrong, as they always do. They always tell you that in, in March. 
They always mix the wrong ones together. This one, they're saying, well, it might have a crossover help, meaning if it's vaguely similar to a previous flu virus, somehow it will magically have this, our bodies have this magic crossover ability to attack it. It's never been proven or even, there's never been a study to show that, even, that it even exists, this crossover technique. But the good, the good wolf wants to make us happy, well and fit, uh, while they want to kill us off. Now, something doesn't jive there for me at all. Not at all. And I know an even more beautiful one. Oh, oh, this is beautiful. This is fantastic. BBC. 9th of July, the world powers accept there's a warming limit. They've now put a, they've mandated that the world can't warm ever by more than 2 centigrade above the 1900 levels. This is decreed out by the G8 summit that I was talking about yesterday with amazing occultic logo there in the picture. If you look to the link that I left. It says, that's a level above which the UN says the Earth's climate system would become dangerously unstable. U.S. President Barack Obama said the countries had made important strides in dealing with climate change. I'll put this link up too, but there's one more I've got to talk about tonight. One more, one more. Very, very important one. Very important one. To show you about the unification of the Americas and how many countries they've already brought into it. And we didn't even hear a thing about it. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just to mention, too, that if you get inoculation, a fantastic way if we all come down with disease and say, well, I guess it didn't work. That's all they have to say. They won't tell you. Maybe inoculation is what's killing folk. Always think about that. They always have a way out, you see. This article here is from the International Economic Forum of the Americas, held in Montreal, the 8th to 11th of June, 2009. Highly publicized, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Did you see it anywhere? They've already said that they didn't have the summit in the Americas. I've even heard one politician saying that recently. I think even Obama said he hadn't heard about it. The International Economic Forum of the Americas, and I'll put the link up too for the whole PDF of what they're given to the public at the end of the show. And you see who all the guys that are there. You know, he's the Prime Minister talking here of Canada, and he's welcoming in other countries that have signed, signed into this amalgamation of the Americas. That's what it is, you see, with economics. And uh, all the countries have come in since the first lot came in. The last lot that came in were Canada, the States, Mexico, and I think they were getting Chile in at the time. But Harper is in here welcoming the newcomers. And thousands came to this, not from your type of classes, of course. Thousands of folk attended this particular international meeting. And they had all these big speakers, well-known speakers there, um, people who have been up high up in the Council on Foreign Relations, even Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who also was way up there with them, uh, and, and who is now the, the managing director of the International Monetary Fund, was there as well. But, but the title of it, the title of it, as I say, is uh, Adapting to a New World Order. What was it Blair said at the G20 meeting? before they had the G8 meeting there. Uh, he said the same thing. He started off his speech, and it's up on Google. 
uh, uh, this is uh, this, the emergence of a, a new world order. We've been saying new world order for years and, and getting laughed at by the same media that's now printing this. So it's okay for one crew, crew to say it, but when we say it, oh no, that's nonsense, doesn't exist. But this is the title put out by them at the International Economic Forum of the Americas. And they have all their talks, as they rush all these talks through for their three days in between all their wonderful breakfasts and luncheons and, and, and drinky poos after, the, after their talks and so on. Uh, by all the right people, of course. And they go through Latin America in the 21st century, uh, the era of migration, and uh, they've got, the, in other words, massive immigration, etc. Sustainable development, of course, and psychology health in the workplace, psychological health in the workplace. In other words, more conditioning for you in the workplace, why you're going to be working more for less. <laughs> That's what it'll be. And the Energy Forum, sustainable development, that means reduced population, and they're not going to upgrade the energy resources or even maintain them at the high level. Maurice Strong said that back in the late 80s. So it's a rehash of stuff that they already had planned long ago. These guys don't plan it, really. They just come and go through the motions, all the planning for this stuff, and every topic they're on about is handled by separate think tanks, and all the, all the, the speeches are written up, probably a, bit, a few years in advance even. And they're going about the global economic crisis, challenges and opportunities. There's always opportunities for the, for the end crew. But go into this PDF and read the articles there. Lots to see what's coming up. They tell you your future, these guys, because they're funded by the biggest foundations on the planet, who are also owned by the biggest international bankers on the planet. They create your future, and they think it's the right. And most folk don't complain. That's it for tonight. Try to get a lot in there of important stuff to show you how it's done. From Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. Thank you.